This is CliffCentral.com. Good morning and welcome back to Rookies and Rockstars. It's Wednesday. I can never believe how the time flies from one Wednesday to the next, but we're always absolutely excited to be here. Miss Prue, my main lady friend, is with me today, looking dashing in her gorgeous hairdo and her... I don't even know what that is. That's like a very, very cool kind of... <laughs> what is that? Hi, Jay. Hi. This is like uh, a jacket dress. Jacket dress. It's exactly. like a ba- like an old... It's like a... It's like an you old school those, bomber those, baseball jacket. Exactly. But it's supposed to be a jazz because we very cool. as women are trying to make it look so cool. You look very, very good. And it's still <laughs> our month, eh? No, it's it still is. Our month. It is. We Did have to have a, bring the fire. We we do. Did you have a good Sunday? It was a busy one, but a very, very good one. Were you DJing? Or I, where was, were you? I was. I was. I was working in the vault. Uh, the first gig where I played at, right? The crowd was so empty. I was playing for the bartenders. <laughs> Oh. That's how early it was. Sorry. Sorry. But that's how early it was. And then secondly, we went to like the far east, like in Watville. And then Watville. Watville. You go to places I've never heard of. Last week you went to Venda. I learned about yes. Venda. And that there's this, a king in Venda. And that there's a king who rocks uh-huh. it out in Venda. <laughs> and now you're going, now you've gone to Watville. Watville. Yes, Watville. Is it it's, Afrikaans? If it was Afrikaans, it would be Watville. <laughs> and they wouldn't no, be kidding. asking for I, I, I a black I don't, DJ. I don't know. No I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> like hello. <laughs> like it's a it's a it's a fairly it's a good it's a good place. It's it's um it's um black people. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And cool. what was the vibe? Was it a party? Woman's oh, Day. Uh, gish, gish party like hooray woohoo. So did you get a latest? So you got a later slot. So that's a better slot. Eh? So the later you start. The better, the better for you. exactly. So, so what time was your slot? Up. No, the latest one was at two AM in um at uh what's this place? Come on, Taboo. Oh yeah. And oh, I so got you to went from Trey what songs. Oh my gosh, you saw Trey songs, but I couldn't even take a picture with them. His bodyguards were like and they try to bounce me off. I'm like, I'm not about that life. I'm trying to touch Trey songs, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so you went from Watville to yeah, Taboo. To Pretoria then Taboo. Oh my word. So you did four gigs? Four gigs. Yeah. <gasps> in one night. In one night. Yeah. No wonder you got that new set of wheels for a while. Eh? <laughs> nice. Well, welcome back. And to you, I hope you had a lovely woman's day. And if you have a woman in your life, we hope you spoil her rotten, whether it's your mom, your wife, your girlfriend, whoever it was, because women are doing wonderful things in this country. And we really do need each other as well as need you for, for your support. So, Happy Women's Month. We're excited to be here. There's a, I know you're on your old car. There's a tire special. There's tire specials. So just look uh-huh. around. You must look around. I don't know why they're targeting us. Like they think we need new tires new all the tires, time. Like really? Like, yeah. hello, why? I don't know. I saw last night like three different tire ads. I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> anyway. So it's, it's very unusual that we kind of on rookies and rock stars head down a little bit more of a serious note, but one thing that Ms. Prue and I do say is we want you to have the balance of making sure that you are happy and positive and staying motivated and doing what you can to really better yourself and be a, a greater version of or, or the best version of what you can be. But I also think part of where our hearts lie is just exposing you a little bit to issues or organizations or initiatives that you can either get involved in or that you can either become aware of, of of what's really going down in the core of our country. And I was 
on Facebook yesterday and one of my friends had posted that the human trafficking legislation had mm. been released yesterday in South Africa. So I got on Facebook and I was like, hi, Kirsty, can we see you tomorrow, please? <laughs> like, because it is intense and we are going to hear a lot about what the organization is that she works for are doing and what's happening in our country. Obviously, quite a sensitive topic, so we're not going to go into the deep, dark, mm. horrible places of exactly of it, yeah. where and who and why. But I just want you to be aware of what is going on and if there's any way that you can get in touch with the organization or just hear Kirsten's story around what's going on, we'd love you just to... Be aware, because I don't think enough of us are aware. I think that we're we're aware, but what we want to propel you to do is also to possibly take Mm. action and and just give or whatever you can, if you can. Exactly. So we're starting off just with a clip of somebody who has survived human trafficking, which is amazing on its own, really a miracle. But just have a listen, and then we will meet Kirsten Hornby, who is here representing the National Freedom Network, and we'll chat a little bit more around the human trafficking legislation that was released yesterday. I've never really spoken his name. The man, Talicia Espinosa, says trapped her into sex trafficking. Five years, moved through a dozen states. This was in Las Vegas. Talicia won't say his name, but begs that you listen to what she saw and survived. You know, I think about this picture. That day I probably slept with maybe 20 to 30 men. I've had to jump out of moving vehicles. Um, I've had to run for my life. Girls that have been murdered. Girls that have been abused and still had to come out into the streets bound to that life not by chains or locks but by emotion i carried so much shame and guilt talicia says she was sexually abused at four years old leaving her empty as an adult only fulfilled by a man she met while working as a stripper and a man who sucked her in with attention gifts and promises i didn't choose to stay in the life so i could sell my body I chose to stay there because I wanted to be with a man that I thought loved me. I wouldn't even speak to the police because my mind was so brainwashed. Talicia fears others will be too, and soon. Clearwater police predict a 50% increase in sex trafficking the week of the Republican National Convention in Tampa in August. Traffickers looking to capitalize on crowds. The city needs to be aware and they need to say, no, we're not going to take it in our city. To raise awareness, Talicia will share her story at community events in the weeks leading up to the RNC, including the later chapters of how she found the strength to break out of that life through faith. I'm just so thankful to God that I'm not where I used to be. Um, I'm not enslaved in my mind and I'm not enslaved in body. I am going to make a difference. Wow, wow. So a little, little bit more of an intense kind of look into, into what's going on. And I think also what Kirsten will clear up for us is human trafficking is obviously the overall theme here and sex trafficking does form a part of that, but we're going to hear from her now. So Kirsten, welcome to Rookies and Rockstars and Cliff Central. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for making time on such short notice. I just thought after having seen your post and the excitement that you guys have been waiting for this legislation to actually be formalized it must be quite an quite an exciting time for you oh definitely and thank you so much jade for for giving us this opportunity just to start the discussion of what this new legislation will really mean for us as south africans 
And uh, thank you so much for that intro clip. I think it gives us a good insight into the sex trafficking problem. Um, but unfortunately, in terms of the South African stories, we, we don't have as many as, I mean, we don't have record and recording of as many as they do in the States. And uh, so I think the discussion should really be around what does the problem look like here? And what will this legislation mean for the South African version of, of trafficking? And uh, so, yes, when you said that, I looked really excited on Facebook about <laughs> this new legislation. I definitely am. Uh, we've been waiting just over two years for this 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 act to be implemented. Uh, it was signed off by President Zuma back in, in July 2013. And so it's just been a long process of everybody getting their, their regulations and everything in order for the f- official implementation to actually happen. So the fact that th- it happened on Women's Day, I think was was quite beautiful, you know, in in signifying that now the severity of the human trafficking crime and sex trafficking as well is now reflected in our legislation. And so what does, sorry, because when I'm not so into like the political legislation, lingo, Mm. words, whatever, what does that actually mean for us? So what does it mean for our country that we've now got human trafficking legislation almost, is is approved the word? I think... uh, like implemented or operational would be the right word okay. for what it is now. Uh, so what it really means for us is that before, it's not that human trafficking was legal and that we endorsed slavery, not at all. But what it meant is that in order to form a case against somebody who was trafficking someone, we didn't really have anything to charge them with. Ah, oh, okay. So what they had to do is they had to take something from, let's say, the Sexual Offences Act or the Basic Conditions of Employment Act and then try and piece together this case, which was obviously a lot more difficult for prosecutors to do. Mm. Um, what it also did is it didn't really um, allow people to identify cases as human trafficking. Because if a case is now filed under the Sexual Offences Act, then it's going to be registered as a sexual offences case and not a case of human trafficking. So what do they say will happen to the guys that have been um, human trafficking people? Are they going to be jailed, killed, or what's going to happen to them <laughs> because of this new legislation? Because I think it's something um, that's that's good I'd for the go women out there. <laughs> like, hello. Sheesh, I wouldn't even. I wish we could. Well, um, to my knowledge, the the most severe sentence would be life imprisonment, which is obviously very good news. Um, There's also very interesting legislation regarding people who are indirectly involved in the process. Like, if us as civilians know of a brothel that, uh, a brothel that is happening down the road and you see, and you, you ought to have known that there's a trafficking situation going on. Perhaps there's underage girls working there or you, you just really are suspicious of something and you don't report it then you are partially liable. So I'm not saying that you would be imprisoned for life <laughs> mm. for that, but we just need to be aware that us as civilians or us who perhaps rent out our houses to people, we, we need to just be informed and be aware of what's happening around us and take responsibility for what we see and make sure we can take that information and plug it into the right channels. I actually recently got to understand what what else human trafficking is all about because I thought it was just uh, for sex. I recently realized that there's actually slavery involved in human trafficking. Like a, there was a clip that I listened to of a young boy who was crying that he, he, he's been working ever since he was seven years old. He's been really, really working. So I think that's, that's something hectic. 
Yeah, sorry. And just before you can tell us a little bit more about that, Kirsten, what is interesting is that that's what we want to be doing. So mm. I think it's not always, I think in our minds, because we're so foreign to the actual vortex of what's mm. going on within the trafficking world, we all think sex. We don't actually think it, it's slavery. So, mm. I mean, Kirsten, what, what are the, how's the stats, or if you were to look at a pie graph, mm. how is human trafficking kind of split up globally and in our country? Well, I think the current perception around human trafficking comes from Taken and movies around there. You yeah. Know, mm. You know, the scenes that I have a particular set of skills and if you do not return my daughter, um, the typical Liam Neeson type of, mm. of, of mindset. And yes, those things do happen. But we need to realize that this is a much broader issue. Uh, human trafficking has quite often been described as modern day slavery. So if you think about slavery in its traditional context, yes, you had people who were trapped in sex slavery, but you had a lot more that were trapped in labor exploitation, perhaps domestic servitude, uh, forced to work on farms, in mines, on in fishing vessels. We mm. had a, a case a couple of years ago where there was a fishing vessel found off the coast of Cape Town that had over 70 uh, Indonesian men that were trafficked onto that boat to work for free. Mm. So I think we, we just need to expand our view a little bit to say human trafficking, what it really is, it's uh, bringing people, it's recruiting people into a process, mm. it's controlling them for the means of exploiting them. So yes, that exploitation can be for sex, but it's most often for labor. Um, children are often are often abducted perhaps for for forced um Forced adoptions, organ sales, perhaps even into the sex trade. Oh, my eyes. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's just all about just broadening our perceptions. What is this issue? And the new legislation defines it so, so well. So I'm really excited uh, for what it's going to do. You know, when we are sitting on the other side and not really inside this whole trafficking, human trafficking thing, I always wonder why don't they run away? Like, what keeps them in that space? Why are they not able to say, you know what, as soon as this person leaves or looks around, I'm going to run for my life? What what keeps them in there? That's a very good question. Uh, and because when we think about human trafficking, we imagine a girl that's chained to a bed or mm. a child that's locked in a room. And often, and I'm sure we can tell this even in our own lives, the, the chains that hold us to something are not always physical ones. And what we find with a lot of victims is most of the the bondage that they're in is psychological. Mm. So a really big component of, of trafficking, especially with foreign victims, is that uh, it's a concept called debt bondage. So what a trafficker would say to their victim is they'll go and recruit this victim perhaps from a small, let's say a small rural town in the Eastern Cape. Mm-hmm. And they'll say to this victim, we have an incredible job lined up for you in Joburg. So don't worry about anything. Just come with me and, you know, I'll sort out your accommodation. I'll sort out your travel, everything. Mm. So this person, you know, being vulnerable, having big dreams, wanting to provide for their families, of course, they're going to agree to this. It seems like the deal of a lifetime. Mm. So what they do is they'll they'll go with the trafficker to Joburg. And when they arrive there, the, the trafficker's like, okay, right, now... Um, you owe me 50,000 rand for arranging all of this for you, for providing you with accommodation and travel. So now you have to work for me until you pay off this debt. Mm. And so what what typically happens is they they get locked in an exploitative situation where they'd get paid perhaps, let's say, 100 rand a month or 200 rand a month. Mm. And now how is this person 
supposed to pay off to this pay enormous back. debt, mm. not earning a fair wage. And then what happens is the trafficker often finds or inflates the amount that the person owes. So let's say the person wakes up late. He says, well, this is a fine of an extra thousand rand or two thousand rand. You have to pay pay me back. Mm. So it's an ongoing struggle. Um, and and it becomes emotional and personal absolutely. at the end of the day. And this is a completely illegal debt. But of course, the victim doesn't know this. And how do, how do I mean, how many people fight it and go back to where they came from? Or do they, do they just not? Are they... Is it that intensely, is the like psychological trap that intense that they just don't have it in them to leave? Like almost like, I mean, like a beat, like a woman that's being beaten. Mm. You often wonder why they don't go. And so is it the same with that kind of thing? I think every person's story is different and the way that they're held in the situation is different. Uh, so I can't really say, do they go back? Don't they go back? But mm. often, especially if it's a, a problem of sex trafficking, there's so much stigma. Uh, around being a prostitute that when even if they do go back to their village they're really afraid that that news is going to get out and they're going to be shunned by their community so uh, it might not just be the things that the traffickers do that keep them there it could also be social perceptions their sense of self-worth and maybe just the opportunities that they feel like they have after being in that situation and so while we're talking around the whole human trafficking I don't even know what you call it. I mean, it's not an industry because that sounds terrible. But I mean, the National Freedom Network that you are associated to and work for, how did that organization come about? Because I think we need to be really grateful for these kinds of organizations that exist and are employing people and are actively trying to make a difference in our country. Yeah, I think that, unfortunately, the anti-trafficking, I'd say, force is not really as big as we imagine it to be. Uh, perhaps we would think maybe there's thousands of people working again against this crime, let's say, in Gauteng. But to be honest, I could probably fit everyone working against the crime in one room. Um, may- maybe a, a large room. One large room. <laughs> Still not big enough, though. Mm. And I think with this legislation, what it's going to do is it's going to kind of mandate people within government departments to work against it, whereas now it's it's a bit more of like a a voluntary thing. Uh, So what we as the NFN do is we want to bring unity to the anti-trafficking field. So we are a channel of communication, we are a reporting structure, and we tie together um, all the different role players which we call network partners, um, to try and enable them to do the work that they're doing. Um, And being this umbrella organization, what it's also allowed us to do is to identify key gaps in the current fight against human trafficking and then define and implement projects to address those gaps, to see where are we falling short? You know, are victims not being identified? Are cases not being built? Are victims not being properly treated? So we can have a look at that and then we can say, these are the people we need to get involved. Let's start a project and let's address it. Because of all the organizations that are now coming out, has there been a lesser amount of women being trafficked or kids being trafficked? I think because, as I said earlier, there's no, because we didn't have any offenses to charge uh, traffickers with, we can't really compare statistics like that yet. I think what we will see as the legislation kicks into place is we can then see this is how many victims we have, this is how many cases we have, do we have a decrease, do we have an increase? And because we don't really have that monitoring mechanism now, we can't say. But we would like to say that because of all the awareness and prevention measures that we have 
as a whole community trying to trying to uh, enact, I'm sure that it has made a significant difference. Mm, human trafficking is so scary. Like I'm thinking now when, because I travel alone a lot to different countries. When I land, maybe like for instance, last year when, when I went to Miami, let's say I land, right? And somebody approaches me, like then what? Then what do I do? Because obviously... <laughs> They'll promise you this, like you said, somebody from the Eastern Cape will promise them there's a job for you, there's this for you, there's that for you. What if someone now comes to me and promises all of those things and I end up being stuck in Miami and you'd find my, and you'd find me stripping at a strip joint in Miami, whereas I should be home, you know. It's, it's crazy. I think it's the most craziest thing. And I'm, I'm quite glad there's actually a legislation now in South Africa implemented against human trafficking. It, it is true. You know, I, I re- read a lot of and listen to a lot of Christine Kane. Mm-hmm. And she is a phenomenal, she's a Christian woman who obviously, you know, she preaches around the world. But it was in Greece that she started her entire organization called A21. Mm-hmm. And it was with her walking through the arrival departure, the arrival apart, depart, Department, whatever. <laughs> when you arri- arrival, she Arrivals, was in arrivals yeah. waiting for the suitcase on the on the conveyor belt, whatever. And she noticed she'd never noticed it before. She is Greek, and she'd never mm-hmm. noticed it before. And suddenly, she noticed missing, 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 missing on the walls. Mm-hmm. And it was from that moment in her book, she says, from that moment, she said to her husband and she said to God, "I have got to do something because it is unacceptable." That all these women and young girls. Mm. So that's what always, I mean, not that it's, it's terrible for anybody, mm. but an adult, you know, has the mental capacity to, not to process it because I don't think you ever really want to have to process that. But imagine a five year old little girl mm. being taken and she's sitting in some container on a ship, mm. whether it's for slavery, for sex, whatever it's for. And so, it is it it is sad that we don't have enough going on in this country and i think i think that we we can do more and mm. so when you hear of and you see other people around the world expanding and doing more and more and more and around this human tra- yeah around the human trafficking thing mm. he's got i mean how Kirsten, how does a person on the street i know that there's obviously in terms of dealing with victims or like prospect people who you guys may think are being trafficked or are somewhere against their will. How does an ordinary person on the street kind of offer you guys help if we wanted to volunteer? I think uh, with anyone wanting to get involved, there's three things that you can give. It's either time, skills or resources. So if you want to volunteer your time and get involved in one of our projects or perhaps one of the projects of our network partners, there are always those opportunities. Uh, so resources, if you want to donate towards an organization that's working in the cause, they need it. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you. And then Absolutely. skills. I mean, NGOs have to run just like normal businesses. So if you are a graphic designer or an accountant or whatever you are, there's place for you to get involved and use your professional skills to to really invest in the anti-trafficking movement. So on the on the National Freedom Network's website, which is nationalfreedomnetwork.co.za, are your partners also there or do they contact you or someone at the organization and they are put in touch with one of the network partners? We do have uh, our partners listed on our website. But what I'd suggest is we have a, a volunteer form people can fill in online and then wherever your skills, wherever your interests lie – 
uh, if it's not with us as the NFN, then we will pass you on to one of our network partners. So we make sure that your volunteering opportunity can fit you as an individual. Okay. Mm. And the the National Freedom Network, how long has the organization been running? Uh, we've been running since about 2009, so in oh, the build-up wow. for the World Cup. And uh, we really have some incredible founders. I must say I'm very privileged to work with the ladies that I work with. They've taught me so much in the few short years I have been working with them. And I'd say that they are absolutely, they're in in the heart of what's happening against trafficking in Gauteng and also nationally. Because I remember hearing once I, we were all at a, at a dinner or at one, at having pizza somewhere and you were, we kind of briefly touch, touched on what their outreaches are. And how do those work? Mm. So a lot of our outreaches are run by our network partners. So one particular one does outreaches to go and uh, have conversation with the women that are working in prostitution and hear their stories and really just connect them and hopefully offer them you know, a channel out of that lifestyle. Uh, we're not saying that prostitution and human trafficking are the same thing. They're not. Uh, but there's always the possibility that a woman that's currently working in prostitution has gone through trafficking in order to arrive there. Yeah. She's there against her will. Absolutely. I mean some people are some people are very aware and have made a cognitive decision to be like a conscious decision to be there. Yeah. Which is different. Um but I it, it, it's just like the clip that we were listening to earlier. That lady knew only that person that trafficked him for a for a very long time. Up until she was like, This is the time when I need to change and let go. Mm-hmm. Only after a certain time did she realize that she's actually doing the wrong things. Absolutely. Yeah. That's all. That's the life that she knew. About 50% of reported cases, the trafficker is somebody the victim knows. So that's that's half. Half mm. of the cases involve oh, someone so the victim intense. knows. Oh, mm. gosh. Well, we're, we're grateful that, that we've had this time with you because, as I said, I think... Although there are many wonderful things we can be doing and positive things we can be doing to make change in our country, mm. I think it's also about being a little bit more aware and active if we can. I mean, I know everyone lives a pretty intense lifestyle and people are busy and time mm. is scarce, so are resources. But I know that even if there's five of you mm. who are able to get onto this website, the National Freedom Network.co.za, touch base with this organization and offer even as Kirsten said, even if it's that you're a painter or a builder or you're a graphic designer, you don't necessarily have to give money. You can just give your time and your skill, which is still needed because NGOs mm. are non profit organizations. organizations. Mm. So Kirsten, thank you um, for coming to see us. If if there's anything you would like to say before you go? I think because this is such a heavy topic, I'd never want to leave someone feeling hopeless or despondent that, oh, my word, this is so big. How are we going to tackle it? I just want to say that this legislation is such exciting news. I mean, this is it's really massive in us combating this crime properly in South Africa and making sure people are equipped to do it. So I just want to say that there, there is hope for people trapped in trafficking. And this is a crime that we can overcome in our lifetimes. That's so awesome. Thank you for coming in and we will, we will keep post, we'll keep in touch and kind of keep you posted on anybody from our end who wants to get in touch. You can do that via the cliffcentral.com website, via our rookies rockstars Twitter handle or 
via WeChat. You can all call us on 0861 We'd love to hear from you if you want to get involved or if you have any questions around the human trafficking topic. Either way, thank you to the National Freedom Network who are doing a wonderful job within this area. We will be back after a little jingle with a little bit more of a light-hearted conversation with somebody who's doing phenomenal things within the motivational speaking sector. Welcome back to Rookies and Rockstars. Wow, what an interesting start to our show. It, it really is so, so incredible to, one, hear from organizations that are doing what they're doing around human trafficking, and two, to know that this legislation has now finally in operation, as Kirsten said. It means that there is finally a benchmark to what people can be either in terms of criminal law, there's now something that they can work towards. So it's so awesome to know. And as I said, if there's any way that you feel you want to get involved or kind of create awareness in your workplace amongst your friends, it's the National Freedom Network COSA where all the information lies. They've got resources, clips on, on hearing what other women are going through. You can contact them. They've got other partners who are also doing outreaches in the city. So get involved if that is something that you feel is on your heart. I definitely think Miss Prue and I need to be a little bit more proactive. We said it, I think, two weeks ago, Miss Prue. And I, I think we keep saying it every week. Yeah, it's, it's, we've got to choose one though. Yeah. And rookies and rock stars have got to get behind it. We'll follow. Okay, I think because the then we're being like everybody else. Look, I think after our little rock star has popped, <laughs> then we'll put a list down of everything that we've done throughout the month or the past two months and select something that we and want we to do to. and go no, through. No, we it. have to. I think so. Because we've been subjected to some pretty phenomenal organizations who are doing exactly. amazing things in this country. And it would be a shame if we don't follow up. No, no. It's a massive shame. Mm, so, mm, mm. so we're going to choose one. No. After, okay. after little, little Prue has popped, <laughs> he has came out <laughs> into the world. And we're four weeks away. So exactly. he's close. So yes, I agree. Once he's out and about, mm-hmm. you and I, we need to be proactive. Exactly. Because if we're not, then we're not great. <laughs> so we, we're moving on to something a little bit more lighthearted, which is which is probably what we all need now. We we are chatting to to somebody who is making waves within this kind of motivational. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna have to read it because his his it's it's so phenomenal how how you can actually intro a man like this. It's it's a a writer and and social entrepreneur. Um, he's, he's someone who is not only writing and, and be, being an amazing social entrepreneur, he's investing in high potential startups through his business, Ubumbo Group, and giving strategic advice to many significant organizations. His passion is using social enterprise principles to transform how we do business. Um, Mr. Carabo is a highly regarded public speaker and has been invited to share his insights with many leading organizations like banks as well as other apps that are currently live on, on the Apple stream. So, Carabo, welcome to you. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Nice to be with you. Welcome. It's really good to be with you, Jade. Uh, it's weird having not seen you for a couple of years to touch base with you for the first time. 
on air uh, with hundreds of thousands of people listening. How it's amazing. Really to hear your voice again. Oh, it's it's such a privilege for us. You, you're joining myself and my lovely, lovely co-host, Miss Prue. So welcome, and, and we're, we're so glad to chat to you because I think, I don't know how much of, of the first bit of the show you got to listen to, but this is definitely a little bit more lighthearted than human trafficking. <laughs> <laughs> so so we get, we're glad to hear your laugh, and, and we, we, we're very keen to kind of delve into how you've got to this point. I mean, last time, last time I saw you, you were marrying Mr. and Mrs. Putman in Durban, so not only are you giving insights and strategic advice to organizations, you're binding people um, over a covenant in marriage. So how, how have you got to this point? Let's, let's just unpack that before we understand what you're actually doing. Yeah, well, um, well that's very kind of you uh, to introduce me in such glowing terms. Um, but I just want to say, I just want to begin by saying I'm in awe of you guys and you in particular, Jade, because you are on air running a show, being fabulous with you and Prue. And at the same time, as you're doing all of that, in the background, you're texting backwards and forwards with me. Uh, and if that isn't the power of womanhood, then I don't know what is. Don't and, tell uh, anyone. I, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> now we know. It's now amazing. We know. I'm more of you. And in fact, I just want to give a big shout out to all, all the girls, all the ladies, all the sisters, all the mothers, all the grandmothers uh, uh, in this Women's Month. You guys are all awesome. You're all amazing. Us guys wouldn't know what to do uh, without you. We just Aww. wouldn't. We'd fall apart. Thank you. Thank you. In terms of myself, just uh, I mean, in really brief terms, I'm a Durbanite uh, through and through. Uh, born and bred in Durban, and uh, and uh, and uh, after finishing up school, I decided to go on a gap year. Uh, this is about 15 years ago now, and my gap year turned into a gap life, <laughs> and uh, and I was gone uh, for for the better part of a decade. Um, first, uh, I was in Latin America and South America uh, doing um, uh, relief work with an awesome organization called Mercy Ships, and, uh, and anyone who doesn't know it should Google it. An amazing, amazing organization that serves people um, in need and disaster-hit areas. And then thereafter, I spent some time, um, uh, second part of my career as a journalist, uh, working in uh, different parts of Africa and the Middle East. Uh, spent a lot of time in a lot of um, kind of conflict areas, war zones, yeah. places like Somalia and Afghanistan and uh, Israel and Palestine and, uh, and, uh, and did a lot of work during that time as a writer and as a journalist for the SABC. And, uh, and then after about a decade came home and I've spent the last six or seven years uh, as an entrepreneur in Durban um, and, uh, and having great fun experimenting with all sorts of different uh, types of businesses uh, and most importantly trying to, to see how I can do business in a way that that kind of uplifts the communities uh, in which in which I live as well. Karabo, this is Prudence. What's your, yes. what's your biggest highlight in your career? The one thing that you've done and you felt like, you know what, if I could do this again, I'll do it over and over. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh, eh? That laugh is so infectious. You just want yeah. to put it in your pocket yeah. and take it out on a bad day. I'm sorry. And it's uncontrollable too, so... Uh... <laughs> Well, you know, that's a really great question, Pri. And, uh, and and it's not easy. You know, a lot of the coolest things that I've done 
are really, really cool. You know, kind of spending a lot of time. I mean, I've traveled to more than 70 countries uh, over the years and uh, been on, you know, almost every continent and, and, and had the opportunity to live in all sorts of different types of communities. So I think that's probably the one thing that stands out as, as just extraordinary and, and, and I feel really privileged and lucky and blessed and all sorts of things to have been able to have had that experience. It's not an experience, uh, an opportunity that most people get to have. And, and, I, and I can't recommend it strongly enough. I mean, I always say to people, if you have money, if you have the opportunity, if you have a choice um, between traveling and something else, choose traveling every single time. Um, so I think for me, it's that overall experience over probably 10 to 15 years living on the road, uh, yeah. seeing and experiencing new things. Uh, it really grew me. It really did a lot for me. Awesome. Um, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Mercy Ships, Karaba. We actually just on Saturday, I dropped a friend off. Yeah. They are dry docking right now in Durban. And um, she's going to be doing physio in Madagascar with them. So they really are an organization that are unreal. I can't believe what they do. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've had the great privilege over many years now to serve with and work with and support lots and lots of really cool organizations that um, <clears throat> that help people in need, that support people um, with vocational training, all sorts of stuff. Um, I do a, a, a lot of kind of community development work. I sit on probably more than seven or eight nonprofit boards. So it's a really big part of my life, always has been, always will be. But... Mercy Ship stands stands apart, certainly in my mind, in my heart, as as easily the most amazing organization I've ever worked with. Uh, when I joined, yeah, it's just amazing. When I when I first joined Mercy Ships, I was a 17 year old kid straight out of high school. I didn't know I didn't know anything about anything, uh, and yet uh, through my experience working with that organization. You know, I, I learned one of the biggest lessons I ever learned in my life, which is it doesn't matter how young you are, it doesn't matter how qualified you are, if you're willing, you you can do good things and you can you can be useful right, in this world. And and uh, and my job during the time that I served with Mercy Ships in South America was dishwashing, uh, and oh, I washed wow. dishes for 300 people every oh, yeah. morning, every afternoon, and every night for the better part of a year. Uh, but I've never felt so useful uh, as I did during that period in my life. It was an amazing experience. I recommend it for anyone and everyone. So the transition from that kind of in you have to tell your staff not to sneeze so loud in the background. <laughs> um, the transition, though, for you, Karabo, from a, a voluntary, volunteering mindset into now stepping up and upping your game into an established speaker as well as social entrepreneur and then leading into giving corporates insights. How, how did that work out? Yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a great question and, and it's not an obvious one. I, I remember, you know, so I worked, I worked in, in development work and in fact my, the first degree that I studied was theology. I studied theology and I spent that peri a period of my life when I was with Mercy Ships and other organizations as a missionary of all things. Wow. Uh, you know, kind of serving people, um, feeding them, giving things, you know, the need that they, the help that they needed. Um, and, and I remember when I became a journalist, everyone would meet me and they'd hear that I used 
used to be a missionary, and they'd ask me, oh my goodness, what happened? Uh, everyone assumed that I'd had some kind of crisis, I'd been kicked out of the church, uh, I'd had some kind of scandal, or, or that I'd had a, you know, a crisis of faith, and, uh, and it wasn't at all. You know, it's just all been part of, of, a, of, of the same journey, but, but different expressions thereof. But when I left journalism and got into business, that was a really hard uh, transition for me mm. because I'd never imagined myself being a business person. In fact, if you'd asked me what was the worst thing I could think of doing with my life, business would have been very much at the top of that list. And, uh, and it took me a couple of, you know, a couple of years probably, um, in, in business before I kind of was able to, to harmonize those two things in my mind. And it was when I discovered this amazing concept of social enterprise that, that, all my worlds kind of came together. My desire for to see people uplifted and to see communities develop and to see people grow and to see a more just world and to see, you know, decreased income inequality in the world. All of those things came together with my impulse to, to do business because at its core, social enterprise is the idea that you can do business with a social objective in mind. And, um, and for me, that was just a revolutionary um, thought, and, and it brought so much meaning to all the business um, activities that I was involved with. And, and I've carried that forward, and, and, and I spent a lot of my time talking and speaking and sharing and encouraging uh, other people to, to kind of invest in understanding social enterprise and see how they might be able to apply it uh, in their own lives, in their own businesses. So if we had to, because it's um, it's crazy how we run out of time and mm. we've still got a little bit of time, but just to kind of, if you were able to extract one major insight that is exciting or fascinating the corporates at the moment around the social enterprise, what what is the highlight and the major opportunity right now for our country? What is the most positive trend or kind of insight that we can latch onto and, and look 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 at with hope? Yeah, I mean I'd love to say that the that that, that the trend is already in place in motion, um, but perhaps not as much as it ought to be. You know, the way I look at our country, you know, we've got so many challenges at this moment in time. Um, and, and amongst those challenges is the fact that so many people in this country um, are living without opportunity, are living without a hope um, for their own futures. Uh, and, and for as long as that continues to be the case, I think the outlook for our country is really, is really bleak, that things are going to... Uh, Sadly, I think things will get worse before they get better. But I, what I do see is an opportunity is for us to, is to, is to find a way to make sure that, that as we grow, as we develop, as, as our country and our economy expands, that we take more and more people along for that ride, that more and more people feel that they are invested in the future of South Africa, that as the country does well, they do well as well. And I think, and I think that there's an understanding increasingly, but not enough, that, um, that, that, that the corporates and that the business community needs to be at the forefront of that of that movement, of that change. Um, and, and I'm really hopeful that social enterprise is, is part of the solution towards us creating a more just, a more equitable, uh, a more sustainable future for ourselves. And in terms of you and your career, and I mean, now you're, you, I, I know there's never a peak and someone like yourself is never going to stop until the peak continuously gets higher and higher. We know what you like. But I mean, in terms of others who are seeking this kind of speaking, uh, 
career because I know that you have a blend of kind of emceeing and speaking motivationally as well as giving the corporate insight side of it. What would you say to anybody who, who wants to pursue this career and just be a game changer and somebody who's not passive and is extremely proactive within the sectors that they are wanting to work? I think it's a combination of two things. Um, I think on the one hand, it's practice, practice, practice. I'm a great believer in the 10,000-hour rule, that if you want to achieve excellence uh, in any uh, field um, in your life, you really need to invest the hours. Uh, I had the great fortune that at the age of three years old, my mother, in her infinite wisdom, <laughs> decided to take me to drama school. And, uh, and from three. the age of three and uh, the last 30 years... I've spent an incredible amount of time speaking, speaking wherever I got an opportunity to speak. I've been to every uh, every community club, every rotary club, every church group, every school SEA. I've done so many, uh, you know, uh, I've done everything, anywhere and anywhere that anyone's willing to let me speak, I'm there. Uh, and, uh, and that's Weddings. how we develop my craft. Absolutely, anywhere, and uh, and so and so I've developed it. It's a craft. It's a skill. It's developed over many many years and much much practice. And and I encourage anyone who wants to do this to do that. To invest in giving themselves opportunities to to speak and to hone their craft. And for the longest time, I didn't get paid a cent. Uh, I think I only started getting paid to speak perhaps in the last couple of years. But that was 25 years into the journey. So uh, so yeah, you know, you got to practice. But the second key thing is you've got to have something to say. Um, and, and, and it's, 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 it's no good being the world's best speaker, the world's best, um, you know, uh, articulator, but having nothing of substance to share with people. Oh, Ultimately, content, people content, want you to, content, they want to walk away with something of substance from you. And, and, and the best thing you can share is the thing that you're most passionate about, the thing that moves you. Um, so that's my, that's my advice to people. Work hard, practice and share the passion that's, that's in your heart. Mm. I mean, you're, 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 honestly, your journey and your story is just so – I loved it from the time I saw it on that email because I believe that although the, although the South Africans are limited by opportunity, I do believe that there is so much hope for them if they can just start to channel their focus mm into areas that they can we've all been given gifts all of us have different gifts Mm. but i just believe that it's by listening to fellow south africans who are doing it yes we've all got a lot of i mean we're never going to stop learning we're never going to stop growing but Mm. just to 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 hear your story and i mean i wish i could i wish you could be here so miss prue could see that bloody delightful face and (laughs) and hear that laugh in real life but you are honestly around you people are are constantly saying wonderful things. I'm sure the corporates feel extremely refreshed after having you in a boardroom. And I'm sure that anybody who's lucky enough to be around you from a mentorship point of view is also just so you're, you're a contagiously positive human being. And we're so grateful to have had you chat with us and we'll definitely keep in touch to, to watch the further growth that's going to go Mm. on. Thank you so much. You're so kind, so generous. I'm really grateful uh, to have this opportunity to spend time with you and your listeners. uh, A great pleasure. Awesome. So keep going and keep doing what you're doing. And as we say, guys, you know, it's it's people like Karabo. If you are 
wanting to pursue anything within the social enterprise sector or wanting, as he said, to, to be in the kind of motivational speaking bubble, you need to put in the hard work. So we encourage you today, after having a little bit of an intense start to Rookies mm. and Rockstars, to listen to what Carabo has said. We will post the podcast later via cliffcentral.com as well as on our Facebook pages. We will also share the link on at Rookies Rockstars. So stay encouraged, be positive, and remember that despite all the challenges we're facing as a country, there really is a lot of opportunity for you. So thanks, and we will see you, Miss Prue, we will see you next week. Oh, yes, definitely. Hopefully there'll still be a baby in my belly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. It's so good just seeing you looking like this. You are glowing. You're looking so good. Oh, yay. Yeah, we're not sure what the Viking will be doing, but uh, we will be back next week, Wednesday, just encouraging you. So stay positive and do everything you can to be the best, best version of yourself. Carabo, we will speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Unreal, uncensored, unradio. Cliffcentral.com.